Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went a little further. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Friends, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we simply ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be measured and found acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, most of us, most of us find ourselves striving. Striving and striving and striving to get. To get that one thing. That one thing that we have determined matters most in this life. For some of us, that one thing that we strive for might be wealth. For others... It might be prestige. For others, that one thing they want more than anything is simply leisure time. Whatever it is, that one thing that you have determined matters most in your life, you will exert, I will exert, we will exert great efforts to get it. We will set this thing in front of us, this goal, this destination, this direction for our lives, knowing that if we work hard enough, if we sacrifice enough, if we study everything there needs to be studied in order to get it, we will dedicate our life in pursuit of it, hoping, trusting, knowing that someday, if we do all of that, maybe, just maybe, we'll get it. We'll get hold of it. And maybe even for a moment, we might get to enjoy it. You know, once we have identified that thing, wouldn't we do everything that it took in order to get it? I mean, it's the American way after all, isn't it? Work hard enough, study hard enough, make all the right sacrifices, just put your mind to it, and you can do it. You can become it. You can attain it. Whatever it is we set in front of us, just work hard enough and anything can be ours. In lots of ways, we've come to believe that about our faith lives as well. Put that ultimate goal in front of us and we will strive with everything in order to get it. And what is that ultimate goal for people of faith? It's heaven. Isn't it? It's heaven. The ultimate prize for the believer. And we believe if we work hard enough and if we pray hard enough and maybe if we read the Bible enough or do enough good deeds or put enough money in the plate or go to church enough, then that's what it'll take when it's all said and done at the end of our lives. God will be there to open those pearly gates and we who have passed the test will be welcomed in. Isn't that what we've been led to believe? 
That heaven is the end result of our faith? I mean, that's why we suffer through all the travails of this life, isn't it? Lord, it better be worth something. All of this, right? There better be some prize at the end of someone shaking their head out there. And that's why we suffer all the things we do. That's why we do all these things God asks us to do, isn't it? I mean, that's why we do all the forgiveness and all of the love and all of the service, all of that turning the other cheek and all of that praying for our enemies. Lord, we do it so we can get that great prize that awaits us at the end of this game called life, heaven. You know how you can tell a lot about what we think? By the jokes we tell. After a long illness, a woman died and arrived at the gates of heaven. While she was awaiting for St. Peter to greet her, she peeked through the gates. She saw it was so beautiful. St. Peter came by to the woman and said, this is such a wonderful place. How How do I get in? St. Peter said, it's a spelling test. One word. The woman said, which word? St. Peter said, love. And so she spelt it. L-O-V-E. And St. Peter welcomed her to heaven. And about six months later, St. Peter came to this same woman and asked her if she wouldn't mind watching the gates of heaven for him that day. While the woman was guarding the gates of heaven, her husband arrived. (laughs) I'm surprised to see you, the woman said. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing pretty well since you died, her husband told her. You won't believe this, but you know that pretty young nurse that was taking care of you while you were sick? Well, I married her. And then I won the lottery. And you know that cute little house we used to have? I sold it. I got this big mansion that we lived in. And my new wife and I, we traveled all around the world. We were on vacation when I was water skiing behind our brand new boat and I fell and the ski hit my head and here I am today. How do I get in? It's a spelling test, she said. Which word, her husband asked. Czechoslovakia, she said. Wait that some of you women are knocking your heads out there. We don't, I don't want to say anything. Here's another one. Mother Teresa went to heaven. God greeted her at the pearly gates. Be thou hungry, Mother Teresa, God asked. I could eat, Mother Teresa replied. So God opened a can of tuna and brought out a chunk of rye bread and they began to share it. While eating the humble meal, Mother Teresa looked down into the outer reaches of hell and saw the inhabitants there and they were eating steak. And they were eating lobster. And they were eating the most beautiful pastries around. She was curious about this, but deeply trusting, she remained quiet. The next day, God again invited Mother Teresa to join Him for dinner. Again, it was tuna and rye bread. Once again, Mother Teresa could see all the inhabitants of hell enjoying lamb and turkey and venison and the best food and drink around. And still, she said nothing. The following day, though, mealtime arrived and another can of tuna was open and she couldn't contain herself anymore. So 
meekly, Mother Teresa asked, God, I am grateful to be in heaven with you as a reward for the pious, obedient life I have led. But here in heaven, all I get to eat is tuna and a piece of rye bread. And in that other place, they eat like emperors and kings. I just don't understand. God sighed. Let's be honest, Teresa. For just two people, it doesn't pay to cook. (laughs) In heaven, the jokes we tell about it suggest something deep within us about our belief about it. Deep down, we believe there's some trick to it. That it's our job to figure out the trick. Crack the code. Find a way to get the better of old St. Peter sitting at the gate. And then along comes Jesus. Then along comes Jesus and literally tears down every notion about heaven we've ever had. You can't miss it if you read the Gospels. It's right there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The very first words out of Jesus' mouth in His public ministry are about heaven. And here's what He has to say about it. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Did you catch what Jesus said? The kingdom of God is near. In Matthew, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Did you catch that? Jesus says you want to know where heaven is? It's right here. It might be as close as as your hand. It's right here under your nose. And think about that for a minute. If Jesus is right, if heaven is right here, then that changes everything, doesn't it? It's not just something we wait for. It's not just something we pine for. It's not just something that awaits us at the end of our life. It is not just something we have to die in order to experience. If heaven is here, then there is no trick or no test to get in. If Jesus is right here, and if heaven is what we've been searching for, striving for, waiting for, then to quote one of my favorite hair bands from the 1980s, Survivor, any Survivor fans out there? The search is over. You were with me all the while. Thank you for those who grew up in the 80s for laughing at my joke. Do you know that this is what Jesus talks about more than anything else in Scripture? His kingdom. He talks more about it than money. He talks more about it than relationships. He talks more about it than sin. He talks more about it than love. More than anything else, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. 64 times in the Gospels, Jesus is talking about this kingdom. This kingdom that He says is at hand. This kingdom that is right there in front of us. And so I believe if we want to understand Jesus, then we need to understand this kingdom He is talking about because it seems like the first thing He wants us to know about it is that it is right here. That it's come near. That the kingdom is at hand. What exactly does that mean? I think it means we're able to experience in some way the fullness of God and everything that comes with it right here 
and right now. All of the healing. All of the peace. All of the mending of broken relationships. All of the forgiveness. All of the mercy. All of it is right here, right now, for the taking. And how do you do that? How do we live into this present kingdom of God in our midst? How do we not miss this? Jesus says if we want to live into this present day reality, He says all you have to do is repent and believe the good news. Repent. Well, there's a loaded religious word, isn't there? Carries a lot of baggage, that word repent. As soon as you hear a preacher say it, you brace yourself. Expecting a pointing finger or a verbal guilt trip. Repent, repent repent but in the greek the original language of the new testament the word is metanoia jesus says metanoia it translates literally as turn around change direction jesus is literally saying turn around don't miss it the kingdom of god is right here and you're so busy waiting for it you have walked right past it Turn around. If we want to see the fullness of God right here, right now, then He says don't keep going down the same path you've just been walking on. Story. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit, but my eyes are open and I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. This time, I walk around it. Chapter 5, I turn around and walk down a different street. Want to live in the kingdom of God? Then Jesus says, take a 180 degree turn in a new direction. Move from hate to love. Move from fear to faith. Move from selfishness to giving. Move from manipulation to respect. Then suddenly you will find yourself living in a space that feels a whole lot like heaven. Now I know what somebody's out there saying. That's some good preaching you're doing up there, preacher. They sure taught you good at that preacher school of yours, didn't they? Yeah, heaven is right here, huh? Well, step out into my world for one minute, would you? There's nothing in my world that looks like heaven these days. I don't know if you noticed it, preacher, but the economy isn't good. Jobs are hard to find. I don't know if you know this, but my marriage is struggling. My kids are going off the deep end. There's wars going on all around the world. Poverty, hunger, disease. It sure don't seem like heaven. And you're going to stand up there and tell us that heaven is right here? Come on, preacher. Get real. Prove it. Give us some evidence. 
Friends, here's the deal. I can't do it. I can't prove it to you. As far as I can tell, God rarely shows up as the one who gives evidence. Oh, look, here I am. Oh, look, there is heaven right here on earth. Can't you see it? No, our Scriptures testify that God isn't the one who shows up in the world as the one who offers evidence. No, God is the one who shows up as the one who speaks the promise. Despite what it looks like, there is coming a day when nations will beat their swords into plowshares and will learn war no more. I promise. Contrary to what you see, one day every tear will be dried up and death will be swallowed up in victory. I promise. Despite what every impulse within you tells you, those who give their lives for my sake will save their lives. I promise. And over and against all the evidence, the cross, the cross is the way home. I, I promise. And I know it don't look like heaven is here, but my friends, God says the kingdom of God has come near. I promise. You see, one day, a prominent seminary professor found himself as the guest preacher at a church that was adjacent to a major campus. That congregation prided itself on being a highly intellectual congregation. One Wednesday night, this prominent seminary professor found himself at the Wednesday night potluck. And he sat next to a man and he struck up this conversation. The man said he'd been a member of that congregation his entire life. And as far as he could tell, he was the last non-intellectual in the place. He said he hadn't understood a sermon in about 25 years. But this man said he would never dream of leaving. Because he said every Monday, he and a couple members of the church, they get in this van and they go down to the youth jail. They do a Bible study there, but mostly they just hang out with the boys and they just try to offer a little bit of comfort. The man said, when I started doing it, I did it because I thought it was the kind of thing we Christians were supposed to do. But now he says, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I wouldn't miss it for the world because when I go there, God shows up. Just like God promised He would. Then this layman turned to this seminary professor and said, you know what? You can't prove the promises of God in advance. But if you live them, they are true. Every single one of them. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Turn around and live as if it's true and it will be. Redford Aldersgate, let us be the church that lives like that. Let us be the church that shows the neighborhood what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven has come near. And what does it look like? Well, here's what it looked like for writer Anne Lamont, who was a single mother desperately searching for God. She writes, Last night I decided that it is totally nuts to believe in Christ. Then something truly amazing happened. 
A man from church showed up at my front door smiling and waving at Sam and I let him in. He's Gordon, 50-ish, married to our associate pastor and after exchanging some pleasantries, he said, Margaret and I wanted to do something for you and the baby. So what I want to ask is, what if a fairy appeared on your doorstep and said that he or she would do any favor for you at all, anything you wanted around the house that you felt too exhausted to do by yourself, too ashamed to ask anyone to do for you? I can't say it, she said. It's too horrible. But finally, he convinced me to tell him, and I said it would be to clean the bathroom. And he ended up spending a couple of hours scrubbing the bathtub, toilet, and sink. I sat on the couch while he worked, watching TV, feeling vaguely guilty and nursing this newborn baby to sleep, this single mom out against this world all on her own. And in that moment, I felt sure of Christ again, of that kind of love. This man... Scrubbing a new mother's bathtub. Maybe that's what heaven looks like. Amen. 